This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. On August 16, 1866, all hell broke loose on a pleasant spring creek in southeastern Minnesota, and several people died. A sudden flood swept David Weisel, his mother, his nephew, and several neighbors to their deaths. Today, the little creek is named after David Weisel, Weisel Creek, and it runs through a wildlife management area, and it's full of trout. At least, that's what Bob Trevis claims in his book, Fly Fishing for Trout in Southeast Minnesota. The subtitle is A Trout Chaser's Guide. Well, these two trout chasers, uh, that would be Dave Getz and me, uh, we decided to give it a try one evening to see if uh, Bob Trevis was uh, really telling the truth. Uh, We had already had a slow day, and there's nothing like fishing somewhere you've never fished before to make it even slower. But it turned out to be a fine evening. Uh, We learned some lessons along the way, too, so come along with us and relive that evening. Now, again, that evening started with a very slow morning, and that was kind of a surprise, wouldn't you say, Dave? It was. We fished Canfield Creek in southeastern Minnesota, and it's one of our go-to spots. One of the things we found through the years, or at least in recent years, is that there is just less fishing pressure in southeastern Minnesota in general. Yep. And I'm sure there's different reasons for that, but... One Some re- of it is the proximity to Chicago. That's exactly away. right. Yeah. The other thing is that in Minnesota, you know, it's the land of what, 10,000 lakes? Oh, yeah. And everybody fishes bass, walleye. And so the whole idea of fishing for trout, right. I just don't think there's a ton mm-hmm. of folks that yep. think that way. That's right. And so what we have found is that there's more pressure on the southeastern Wisconsin streams than there mm-hmm. is on the, so- on the southeastern Minnesota streams. So anyway, so we go to Canfield Creek. So we had planned this trip and we had had a terrific time back in april we had two terrific well we had one terrific day yeah one day the river was blown out and the next day it was just terrific yep. with caddis and emergers mm-hmm. both on the surface and actually some nymphing too we did right. some nymphing yeah there. we did mm-hmm. so we thought hey we go back midsummer, yep. and I, i'm just saying that it was a tough tough day and it was surprising because conditions were great that the water was in great shape i, I thought the water level for uh, what is that, early July? I mean, it was it was good. It was. Uh, the one thing, though, that I will say, it was so weedy. Yeah, it so was. So you couldn't, mm-hmm. there were really no nymphing runs, right? Right. There's these yeah, channels, so tough. really mm-hmm. you could only dry fly fish. Right. There were a few places, yeah. but what were great nymphing runs back mm-hmm. in April were now weed beds. Right. And we fished that before, simply using uh, attractor patterns on the surface. And so I thought, wow, this, this is going to be great. It was not. It was not. I, I think mean, you caught one fish, right? No, I didn't even catch. Uh, the only strike that we had was that very last run where I got a couple strikes finally, and and that was it. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't. I actually did not get a strike for what? How long we'd fished Oh, that? my goodness. It was at least a couple of hours, It right? was at least three yeah. hours, yeah. And then, right, yeah, right at the end, finally, which was really the last big run. We knew that the rest of it going up to that, that little cave was going to be kind of weedy. And so, like, okay, this is the last run. Boom, strike. <laughs> and that was it. Best thing about Man. that part of the day was lunch. 
That's right. Yes, it was. <laughs> and remember, we debated about where to go that evening and thinking, wow, you know, the things are really slow. And, and I don't know, we had a couple of options. We talked to a guy at a fly shop, but we, we finally settled on, what, going a little way south, uh, what, and near east. the south branch of the Root River? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so remember, we, we just pulled, we picked up that book that, that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast and kind of leafed through that. And I, I still don't know why, what it was about that, what we saw that description of that Wiseau Creek. It was kind of random. It was. Because the guy at the creek, did he mention Wiseau Creek? You know, I don't think, no, I don't he think didn't. he did. In fact, that's right. We were heading down, kind of looking for something else, and we really couldn't find it. And reading this book and like oh well hey there there's Weisel Creek so we went to the fly shop right mm -hmm. after we got off the uh, got off Canfield Creek yeah. so it was about four o'clock we got off early we just said you know what popped over to the fly shop and then let's go eat so after we went to the fly shop we went to the barn resort yeah right that's it's right. this great place has a golf course the south fork of the route actually flows and a river right runs through it, through it. and a yes. river runs through mm -hmm. it yeah and as you walk into this big barn, there's swallows, yeah, you know, there's swallow right. nests. Yes. You feel like you're going to get pooped on yeah. as you're walking into the restaurant. But it's a really great little restaurant, great yeah. food. So we were sitting there eating. And I, we were, I could tell in your head and my head, we're thinking, you know, it was such a long day. Should we even go yeah, out? Right. Right. And you're debating and you're debating. And, and debating. then we remembered a great podcast we heard on persistence. <laughs> It's like, oh, great. We talked about this. We, we need to go out. So we had to man up and yes. decided we're going to go out. So I don't know, Steve. I still don't know how we got to Wiseau Creek. No, because we, oh, we the decision the to Wiseau Creek. And, and, you know, read about it. and Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So, so. you know, it's south of uh, Preston, Minnesota. We were yeah. staying in Preston, Minnesota. It's also east. You have to take a bunch of roads, back roads, gravel right. roads, highways. And the book even said you, you might... If, if it's rained at all, which it had not, said you better park up. Said so you'll you'll enter this wildlife management area, and you better park up by this barn and not go down the road, or you'll never get back up because it's it was it was steep. Yeah, it was very steep. The road was in good condition, but it was steep. Well, and they were in reference to if it's rainy out, right? Yes. And right. I mean, if you, if it's raining, it's really tough to get up yep. that road. Now I had a four-wheel drive, so we went down to the bottom and. And we said, okay, let's go after this. I have to mm -hmm. tell you, when I was getting out of the truck, mm -hmm. rigging up, yeah. I was thinking, it was, yeah. I could see all the weeds. And this is the yes. one thing mm -hmm. that I have to get used to. I still, it's hard for me to get used to. In North Dakota, in Montana, even Colorado, midsummer, yeah. things are not green, That's things right. are dead. And so you do not have that high grass up against the bank. Now no. that's not always true, but it's generally true. Right. In Minnesota, in southeastern Minnesota, the grass is high oh my and it's word. right up against the yep. bank. And it's also weedy inside the streams, the, on the stream. So when we first hit the river, I'm thinking, because it was so grassy. Oh, it was. And it was a chore just to get down to the, well, river, it was actually a, a small creek. And, and just to get down there, and then once you got in it, you realized, boy, this is not going to be, wasn't the easiest uh, uh, wading because it was kind of steep along the sides that there was no nice gradual 
bank, it was, well, Spring Creek, you know, so not, a, in not a, a freestone river. Yeah. yeah. It, just in a little meadow. Yep. And I think, well, we, you, let's see, you went upstream. I went down just a little bit. Or was it? No, no, no. No, no, you went upstream. I went upstream just a few yards and I, and I ended up catching one. I thought, well, that, that's good. Even if that's, there's nothing else. But then I slogged back through the weeds to find you because I thought, oh man, we, you know, it's late in the evening. We, we don't want to get separated, lost in the weeds somewhere. So I thought, I'm going to find where you are. And I kind of, all of a sudden, you break out of the weeds and... What? I think I had a fish on at that yeah, point. You did. I yeah. think I had one of those little browns on. Yeah. So did. I just, I had switched to a purple haze, which is mm -hmm. basically a uh, parachute Adams with a purple body. By the way, I was just out in Colorado and I picked up some more parachute Adams and they're all purple bodied. Wow. So they don't even call them purple haze. They're just, okay, here's <laughs> our parachute that's Adams. That's the rage now. It huh? is the rage, yeah. yeah. Color purple is the rage. So, so it took me probably 15, 20 minutes to catch a fish. And then next thing you know, what made it so difficult was that you have these high, this high grass right against this bank. Mm -hmm. And so there's no gravel, nothing. Right. And, the, and the water is just right against the bank. Yeah. There. And so in a sense, you had to like raise your arms up high just to cast over yeah, them. You so did. you weren't really even against the bank. So you're actually about three or four feet off the river right. itself or off mm -hmm. the creek itself. Yep. And so you're trying to cast over this, and it, mm -hmm. it began, it actually was a great challenge. It was. Now, we should say this. After we got through that initial 100 yards of, of weeds, which, Dave, I went back in that book and read, and Bob Travis, I can't remember how long ago he even published this, but he said those weeds are there because there was, there was a... There was a University of Wisconsin graduate student who was doing some study on weed control or something like that. And so that's why you have those. But once we got through that, yeah, then you just got to really high grass. But somebody in this wildlife management area had mowed uh, a pretty wide trail. Swath, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was probably, what, maybe 10... 15 feet. 15 feet off of the, the creek. So you could walk along that and then decide, okay, where am I going to slog through the four-foot-high grass and find a place to and cast? And sometimes you would stop right at the end of the grass or end of the mowed grass, and at that point you're probably four or five feet off of the right. river. Yeah. And so you're standing in the place where there isn't as much grass and you're casting yeah. over the tall right. grass. So it became yeah. actually a really big challenge, except so, that, you know, it wasn't a challenge once they started hitting your yeah. fly. <laughs> but what else? There, I think there were some other things that were challenging about that, that the weeds were challenging. But how about that stream itself? It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that wide. And when it did broaden out, it got really shallow, and there just didn't seem to be as many good runs. No, it was uh, it was a slow-moving creek. You know what it reminded me of a little bit was the East Gallatin River in Montana. And then I think the other thing about it was, yeah, a lot of weeds, and there were these channels that were maybe what, maybe a foot wide, two feet wide, and that's where you had to put your fly. And that's where if you didn't do that, you were either on in the weeds, so your fly was in the weeds and you're yeah. snagging, or yep. it was on the other bank. And that's what made it really difficult to fish. Um, and so two things, right. one is standing over the grass and casting with your arms way up, trying to get your uh, rod above the grass so you're not getting snagged. And then casting into these one foot channel windows. Right, yeah. 
that was tough. And I'd say the trout were, you know, we saw some rising trout. Uh, you know, they weren't just going crazy, but uh, I think I finally switched to a parachute Adams, or actually it was a purple haze. And wow, we had a lot of action, didn't we? It was a terrific, terrific evening. And it's just, what was so great is we had, you know, we had grounded out, grinded it out, grounded out, grinded it out. I'm not sure how you say it. I know what you mean. It was a grind during the day, not grind. I mean, anytime you're fishing, it's not a grind. But, I mean, we had done a lot of casting all day and it was, there was no Mm -hmm. productivity at all. There was nothing. And then all of a sudden we, on a whim, go out to the stream and like hit the evening rise. Oh, absolutely. So what what would you say are some lessons that that we learned from from that experience? Well, there's something greatly satisfying about finding new waters to fish based on something that you've read. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you think books are completely, you know, part of a bygone era. And this book, right. I, don't, I think this book was written in the 90s, yeah, I think. Okay. I think I looked at the copyright date. Okay. So it's been a while since this yeah. book was public and published. And anytime you publish something, it becomes almost immediately out of date. Right. Mm-hmm. But he was dead on on everything, and nothing Boy, had really, really changed on that creek. Oh, I know. Well, and you said this too, Dave. You said when you fish new water like that, you really do have to lower your expectations. And if you... Yeah, if you have a great day, I think your words were, then it's kind of the, the lollipop. But and, and that's something we did very well. We went in with very low expectations. We had very low ex- expectations. Yeah. Well, and, and after the morning where we got nothing, it's like, how are we going to go into a, a new place where we don't even know and the fishing was lousy this morning? But I think that kind of leads to a, another observation that you've often made, one of the reasons that it works. I think what's really important is that when you're fishing – in summer and 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 you feel stumped during the day i think you just need to remember that you need to fish that 7 to 9 p.m window boy that is so true i was just out in colorado and talking to a guy uh, one of our clients out there and he fishes the roaring fork and i was going to actually go out uh, one of the evenings I chose not to because of there was so much pressure on the river at that point and I came to the spot and I just said forget it there were like three or four cars parked wow. and hmm. but anyway he said don't even go until 8 30 said the cat has started rising at about 8 30 yeah. and mm-hmm. so before that unless you want a nymph um, right so that's seven mm-hmm. to nine window yeah it's a really really important window in the summer oh it really is in fact the guys in the fly shop that that one young guy uh, just listening to him I realized he's working during the day and then he's fly fishing in the evening and it wasn't just because well I have to work that's the only time I can get out I mean that's when he and his buddies were going that's when you're catching things and you've got caddis coming off sometimes you'll still have uh you always have some sort of a mayfly hatch going on, maybe even blue wing olives, and yeah, I, I've I've seen that in in Montana on the Yellowstone River. That I, was last year for you in Colorado as well. Yeah, you those oh, browns. it was. Yeah, right. Yeah, almost. Well, right at dusk, and and when every other fly fisher was leaving, uh, my brother and I and my son, and then there were one or two other guys on this long stretch of river that obviously understood that. But yeah, a lot of people were leaving just as it got good. So that, that's a great lesson. And I think if you're a new fly fisher and you're frustrated, you need to remember this because you may be fishing during these times in which you're not going to catch yep. anything. My, 
uh, nephew just pinged me uh, via text. He was going to be uh, in Wisconsin, wanted to fish the Blue River. And I told him, I said, it's midsummer. Don't even go out until 7 o'clock in the evening because you'll be frustrated. Yeah, that's really true. Well, we've already talked about casting with precision. I think we were reminded again, you don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be soft. You have to be accurate. And, and that river, maybe that was one of the satisfying things. It was kind of a test. You know, we, we had to be, you know, not, not technically fine. Like if you're on Nelson Spring Creek in, in Montana in Paradise Valley and you've got to, you know, you got to fish a, you know, a size 22 PMD. Uh, no, this wasn't, I don't want to pretend this was some technical precise fishing, but yeah, we had to stand in four foot tall grass away from the bank and we, we had to make what probably twenty foot cast and yeah into this cases. one foot channel right on into either a one side foot of the wide bank. channel and yeah you know, and when we did it was successful. Well, I came away thinking you know actually I'm a better fly fisher than I give myself credit for. Yeah, I know that mm-hmm. sounds a little bit bragging and it's one thing we hate is arrogance and fly fishers. Yeah. But I came away going you know what I'm actually not a bad dry fly fisher. Yeah, I and know. Um, and you know we caught just a lot of brown trout lat that night and some of them were nice and plump you, you know, know they, they were, were they were they were very nice i don't think did you catch any brookies i can't remember no i don't well i don't no i'm pretty sure i didn't that night i, I think do they think were there are browns. some brook trout in there mm-hmm. on there in there right. on there in there so yep. uh but anyway it was just a great really a great evening and it, it was. was a surprise it was it really was a lollipop you know we yep. didn't expect it and it was just one of yep. those terrific evenings it was one fine evening yep All right, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Jim made this comment in our recent post on Make Your Dry Fly Irresistible. He wrote, It took me years before I realized that when casting dries, I don't want my leader to fully extend in a straight line when it hits the water. Small tippet and slack actually help with the drift, and a natural presentation goes a long way. Just as a fish overlooks the big hook sticking out of the fly, I believe it also overlooks a leader if the drift of the fly doesn't make the fish aware of the leader. That is really good it stuff. Really is. Isn't that great? That really is. I think there is this sense, especially if you go to a fly fishing show or you're in a casting class, this idea of the full extension of your leader and your tippet. I mean, you're trying for distance. You're looking right. for... Um, you're not really looking for precision. You're just trying to get it out there. However, in the real world, when you're dry fly fishing, you do want almost an S loop in your yes. tippet. Mm-hmm. That allows your fly to drift naturally. And you don't want it extended tight because all of, as soon as it hits the water, it's it's creating drag. Yep, that's exactly that's right. That's a great, great point. Yeah, it really was, really was. Well, that'll do it for today. Tell us about a successful outing you had on new water. That is water you've never fished before. Now, what did you learn? Please go to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. You can find Two Guys in a River pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher. If you have not uh, followed us on Instagram, be sure and do that. And, of course, you can visit our website, twoguysinariver.com. We publish one new episode and a new article each week. And of course, we'd love for you to purchase our book on Amazon.com, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. (laughs) 